When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back, everyone, to the Web3 Weekly Podcast, the most relatable and reliable NFT, crypto, and technology podcast in the nation. Today, I am lucky to be joined with Kyle Confair today. Kyle is both a digital artist and a physical artist that creates a wide variety of masterpieces. Kyle is a muralist as well as a digital NFT artist that works with the Not Fungible and the Ghost Club. So without further ado, let's just hop right into it. How's it going, Kyle? Welcome to uh, Web3 Weekly. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I always uh, enjoy uh, interviewing artists in this space just because you can always learn something new from whatever type of art they create. But kind of learning more about who you are, do you mind to kind of give the audience a pretty... I guess you could call a basic summary of who you are and what you do. Uh, I am a a muralist, NFT artist, illustrator, and uh, designer. I guess I would say that's pretty cool. That's a I like that um, you're open to many different parts of art. You don't stick to just one thing. You uh, like to do multiple, but what do you like to do for fun outside of the art world? Like, what do you do when you have some free time and you're just chilling? Um, I play a lot of video games. Um, I've been uh, super into. I've been getting well back into Fallout seventy six lately, and um, uh, Terraria, and um. Let's see what's the other game. Uh, I, I'm like kind of going through uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the um, the second one right now, just kind yeah. of getting through the story. Um, I'm like a huge fan of like like that like open world like RPG kind of like like level uh, or um, yeah. medium. But I don't know. Like what I, the hard thing about art is that like I love doing it. So when I'm not doing like one thing in the art world, I'm probably doing something else in the art yeah, world. So. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. <clears throat> yeah. That's pretty cool. But, um, how do, or, what, let's talk about kind of, uh, do you, you obviously do art full-time, correct? Yeah. So, uh, many people probably might be wondering, like, how do you make money with your art in murals? Like, what do you, like, how do you, like, what do you do with that? Um, 
like doing our like a large scale is kind of is extremely um i don't want to say presumptuous but it's very um it's very competitive first of all um because you're you're now talking about like a very specific like like wall space like mm-hmm. it's it's like uh it's like real estate like it's very it's very precious to like the property owner the landowner uh and then the people who look at it so you're constantly in competition with not only like just your peers you know people who you actually rely on for like word of mouth gigs or just like you know getting advice from and stuff like that and like you know chumming it with but you're also reliant on um property owners and landlords and developers uh looking at your work and having some value in it and um so you know how i how i kind of like look at things is like i enjoy what i'm doing right but i know that you know if i enjoyed you know like doing this as much as i love eating pizza I, you know i i wouldn't it, the it, the ratio just doesn't work out you know so like um so i, I do have to charge money for it and i feel, feel like this is a struggle every artist works with but uh, because you have to charge for what you love to do, which is kind of interesting. Um, but you know what? I, how one one of the ways I look at it is like I do, um, you know, a lot, bunch of paid murals, and then I'll usually try and find like one or two on the side that are maybe like in a space that I don't normally get to a lot, and I'll do that like kind of at cost or like not free, but like like heavily discounted oh, so okay. it's like yeah, it's like yeah, yeah a few for you one for me a few for you one for me because mm-hmm, it like mm-hmm. those spaces that like don't pay as much maybe or like maybe spaces that i don't really get to as much like maybe it's like because it's the neighborhood it's in or maybe it's because of the wall or the surface it's on um like maybe that's like a huge challenge just like painting on the freaking wall yeah um, <laughs> I'll do stuff that I don't normally get to do that are out that's outside of my comfort zone, or maybe it's something I've been like wanting to do and I just haven't had a chance to do it at like a larger scale. So like it's kind of cool because then it like goes into port your portfolio and kind of becomes part of like, hey, this is what I can do, and then helps you bring in um, other people with, you know, hopefully with a, a budget, you know, to help pay for your apartment and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand. Um, especially you want to be able to show as many people as possible uh, your skills yeah. and everything. And sometimes you have to take a gamble, I guess, by doing it for quote unquote free. But um, if you had to pick one, like what, what, what would be your favorite type of art? Um, that I do. Yes. Yes. Um. I, yeah. I, w- I would definitely say like the uh, mural making. Um, I think like. It, um, I think that's my favorite. It's, it's, um, because my approach to making like mural and large scale public art is, uh, is, uh, is very like selfish, like in the sense that like I'm not doing, yeah, I, I'm doing what I want to do off the top of my dome, like without any outside inspiration, usually. Yeah. Like, it's usually like, um, sometimes like, person will be like hey can you like throw like you know mc hammer in there or like can you like throw like this local like icon in there or whatever like um and that's fine that's cool like that totally helps inform what i'm doing but uh but yeah like normally i'm just like throwing the composition 
and all the content in there as I go. And to me, that's like really like freeing and very like, um, it's very methodical and like meditative. I'm yeah. Think of other words. Like I completely understand. Adding. I was having, uh, <laughs> I was having kind of, I, I was talking to a former, well, not former, but like another artist and another person in space. And we talked about how when you enter a type of flow state, when you're either doing a certain piece of art or you're just working on something and it's kind of like a beautiful peace of mind that you enter, it's kind of like almost in the zone where you just enjoy it. It's kind of bliss and you're just doing like what you love. That makes sense. Like it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Flow state is definitely, that was a term. Uh, I just didn't want to use it, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. It just sounds like if I say that, that, if I'm like, yeah, enter flow state, like sometimes it just sounds <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, like I have like crystals in my pocket or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I completely understand. But uh, how did you first get started with art? I, we obviously, we probably should have mentioned that earlier, but how did you first get introduced to it? Or when did you know you're like, dude, like I need, I love this. I need to do this. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um... I mean, I, when I was in high school, I think I, uh, I remember like there was a, I was in ninth or 10th grade. Like I'd always been good at like drawing and like art and, um, like painting and stuff. And like, cause my, I took a lot of like, um, classes outside of school for like live drawing, painting, oils, acrylics, all that. And, um, yeah, and, and when I got into high school, um, I was offered, or not offered, I was introduced to a vocational program at my high school, and I'll, and it was commercial art and graphic design, and I was like, oh, like, I could, like, make a career doing this? Like, <laughs> um, like wait, what? I can, I can make money doing something I love? What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I, I guess I'm doing this now. So, like, I actually initially went to the vocational school for... Um, I think I, because you you got like a week or something, like a couple days where you could go in before you even like went uh, the following year, but you had a couple days where you could go try out like a diff- bunch of different like uh, classes there, and I think I tried like, I forget what it's called, like it was like mecha- like mechanical engine, like basically like working in a, like, like uh, automotive industry, like so like working on cars and stuff, I tried that out. And, um, obviously I don't even remember what it was called, so I didn't, that didn't work, but, and I tried, um, like culinary arts and I think I tried like, like farming technology or something like that, or like biology of some sort. I forget. Agriculture. And I was like, like, cause these were things that I was like, okay, like I kind of like respect and appreciate these things. So, but like once I was like was in the commercial art class, I was like, oh man, it's on! Like this is amazing. So I just I just stuck with that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like that. I like it's kind of like a little origin story. But um, what would you say? Or obviously you continue or can you continued to do art because you do art now. What what type of art do you would you say that uh, takes up most of your time right now? Like what do you do the most currently? Um murals right now i would say like in between murals you you would if you caught me in between murals right now like i would say like proposals and pitch decks yeah because uh, that's like another huge aspect to it it's just like like as much as i love doing the actual work um 
it you know I have to like um, dedicate like a lot of hours to just like putting proposals and pitch decks together and um, I would say that's that's half the <laughs> that's half my time at this point because I'm like out of mural festival season I guess it's just usually like spring summer and um, I had like a crazy busy like winter fall spring so like I wasn't applying to a lot of these like festivals like I should have been and so I'm kind of just playing catch up now with taxes and proposals and I have my own like mural festival thing that I want to do so it's kind of just like playing catch up right now but in between murals you know as always yeah yeah that's cool I, I've never actually spoke to a muralist. This is really cool to see. Like, how long would you say? Obviously, each mural is going to be different just because of size and detail. But how long do you say? Like, would you say you work on a certain mural once um you're assigned it? If that makes sense. Um, the the longest part, like for me, I, I'm pretty um pretty fortunate and having a really fast process like i am very quick i did a the biggest mural i've ever done was uh in Delo in lewis delaware uh on the side of like this old municipal building that they were just kind of like i guess they were treating it as like an eyesore and so um it was 50 feet wide by 30 feet high and um i did that in two days i came down primed it in like half a day like rolled the whole oh, wow. thing um, we got like a, you know, I got like a boom to come through and I just like used that. And then I just like, like did the whole thing in two days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends like the priming prep. Usually it, it takes the longest because like it, you, if it's public art and it's on a, you know, public facade or whatever, like you want it to be there for a while. Um, and you also want it to be, um, vandal proof or weatherproof. So, um, you know you'll you have to work out with the property owner like what's like what kind of like a coating or protectant do you want in there do you want it sacrificial do you want it not sacrificial do you want it just like permanent like so uh i think prep usually takes around i always block out like at least like a solid one and a half to two days to just make sure the surface is ready to go and um before I even put like a, a paint marker or a brush to the surface. And then once I get started, like um, I'm pretty quick. So, you know, I'm just doing like one or two colors. It, it should only take me like a day or two at the tops for oh, okay. something larger. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, obviously you do many types of art, not just murals. And some sure. of that is digital art. How did you get started or introduced into the digital art world as well as kind of nfts and your nft art uh so we talked a little bit about how i you know i went to school for commercial art so that's kind Mm -hmm. of like how i like got introduced to like just like working and being aware of like all the digital assets that i was going to be introduced to in my career uh in the art world so you know that's anything from like corel and back in the day with like quark express and um, like uh, Ruby Lith tech, uh, which was like literally like acetate and like paper. And um, when I left high school, actually, no, I got it in high school. I got this like workplace program um, while I was in high school that was in a sign shop. And so I started like um, 
learning how to like make signs like and that was kind of like a a way of like putting my feet into the design industry i guess and um so i started learning like corel and photoshop and like the whole adobe suite um in a more practical sense of like how it actually is used and um and then when i got into college i um i got my first wacom tablet then and i just was like always drawing in photoshop directly and um i just really got good at that and then like I don't know, like a couple of years ago i got like my first ipad pro and that has like just opened the doors to like so many yeah different opportunities and like a different way of working and so i've been really digging that um and that's kind of i guess how i got more into like the digital realm and then once like covid kind of happened i hopped on clubhouse and started hanging out with like these other artists from like uh, you know around the world and just kind of chatting it up and stuff and um it was uh a couple artists uh brian romero and russ moreland and um pop wonder they were you know talking about like um making artwork like nfts and making artwork to sell as like tokens and i was just like what <laughs> what are you talking about and it like didn't really make sense to me but like i just stuck along yeah like you didn't understand it but you're like you know what i might as well stick along maybe i can learn something <laughs> exactly i just kind of was like uh, maybe like by osmosis i'll learn <laughs> yeah uh but you obviously mentioned that you work with, or in your Twitter it says you work with not only um, like not fungible, but you also work with the Ghost Club. What do you uh, do for them, like with NFT art? Uh, the Ghost Club is just really um, is is more like a, it, it, a more collective. Like a, yeah, right. I, I would say more of a collective or even like the non-fungible incubator even like they're very similar in the sense that like they um have a large group of artists to draw inspiration from but they don't necessarily tell you what to do or direct you in any specific directions and the ghost club is like i think like zero to no like barrier to entry unless you just can't be a dick you know and (laughs) um but they're constantly like like Mumbot, Defiant, um, oh my god, I'm gonna hate myself for forgetting these other dudes' names. But there's a lot of like sweat equity that runs Ghost Club, mm-hmm. and um, that we don't see behind the scenes, and they don't get enough uh, respect for that. But um, because it's if there's not like one project they're working on, there's like twenty, and there's not just one person working on any one project. It's usually like two or three artists working on like seven different ones and they're all kind of like interfacing with other artists who are working on different projects like the ghost club is a is kind of like this chaotic masterpiece that kind of just works really well with each other because everybody's nice and there is like the ego is checked at the door like so everybody kind of just like helps each other out and it's very transparent about that kind of stuff whereas like with some other projects i've witnessed you know or or been privy to like you know the the ego is not checked at the door and like maybe the titular artist or group of artists is treated like you know 
like they are gods and goddesses so then you know there there's like this whole trickle down effect of like nepotism and treating people like crap and and mm-hmm. i'm not here for that so ghost yeah. club is like awesome i i really cannot shout them out enough they're really good people that's awesome it's good to see that you uh, kind of found your community you can feel comfortable with and get uh kind of proper and good information from it especially just with the community aspect of hey like can you help me out with this and then i was like sure why not i can help you uh because we're all here for kind of one common goal just to help each other out and create the best art possible we're talking about art and nft art in general especially with what you do can you kind of talk about especially if the audience doesn't know what you do uh can you talk about some of the nft arts you've created maybe some of the collections and just everything that has to do with you and the NFTs you create. Sure. Um, I, when I like first started talking uh, about NFTs with people, um, I think like a lot of the, the internet, like people, I was very apprehensive because of, um, you know, we hear a lot of talk about energy consumption and are we being equal? You know, are we being economically conscious about that and making sure that, like, we're, you know, uh, not just drilling holes into the core of the planet? <laughs> like, so I was just kind of like, all right, I want to put, I want to dot my eyes and cross my teeth, make sure I'm not, you know, this like Lex Luthor, like, just ready to destroy everyone. So, like, I just wanted to like make sure I was doing that and being and doing my diligence and research. So. I did a lot of that probably for a good like six months before you even like attempted anything with NFTs. And um, so I did a bunch of research and I finally decided to jump on Hicketnuck um, or Hen, I guess, mm-hmm. because that was a, a platform that relied on the Tezos blockchain. And the Tezos blockchain is like very green friendly, very, very like green conscious. Um, And I felt good about that. So I literally was like, I made like, I took like some old, actually, it was an old mural rendering that I did for um, somebody's backyard. And um, I took that and I just kind of like cleaned it up, Photoshop, and then. And then I just minted that and it was like kind of like wonky and oblong. And I was like, oh, I mean, it's, that doesn't really work. (laughs) But I left up anyway, because I was just like, I don't really care. Like, so whatever. So I left it up and I think I sold for like 0.5 Tez or something. Um, And so like, that's kind of like my first introduction into like the NFT space. And, and then like the more I like, worked on the on with hen or uh Hecatnuck and the tezos blockchain um the more i start to appreciate the stability of like the ethereum blockchain um because Hecatnuck the and i know it wasn't necessarily to do with the, the um blockchain but the platform was a little wonky uh and uh you know like there was a couple exploits and that kind of turned me off from them. Um, like no hard feelings to anyone that still sells stuff there. But, um, so then I just was like, I'm just going to try OpenSea. And then I, that's how I kind of got to OpenSea. My first, I think, ETH-based project that I worked on was with um, 
Nifty Skateboards. It's like um, I think it's a dude named Paul and Ollie. And, yeah, I've heard about that. It's a really really cool uh, collection. Yeah, they're like I met them in a clubhouse room about like skateboard and like punk art because that's kind of like my first in, like internship was at Zoo York Skateboards, and then I kind of like worked a little bit around with like Zoo York and a little bit with like Echo, and I kind of like you know, I used to skate a lot. And so I kind of like always grew up around like the punk skateboard art scene. So me and Ollie kind of like hit it off and um, we knew a lot of the same people. And then he was kind of, I was just kind of like, dude, like um, if you ever want like to do like a graphic for a board or something, like just let me know. And so that was like my first, that was like my first Ethereum based project. And <laughs> you came over to the light that. side. Yeah, yeah. Ollie did all the heavy lifting on that. I, I literally like drew like the board in like ten minutes, mm-hmm. sent him over everything, and then he just like rendered the hell out of it and made it look amazing. <laughs> That's dope. I like to see that. Uh, it's kind of cool how a lot of the NFT artists I've talked to, especially just like in this space, they all help each other out, um, and they all yeah. kind of. I love it. It feels like a lot of them really know each other. Uh, and they all run in similar circles, but um, kind of talking about how artists run in similar circles. Obviously, uh, if anyone was watching NFT NYC or just following any type of NFT artist during NFT NYC, NFT NYC, sorry, you definitely could see uh, a lot of people having fun with their certain kind of artist group or whatever collection they worked on together. They were all hanging out uh, in NFT NYC. Can you talk about uh, some of your time at NFT NYC? Like, what did you enjoy about it? Maybe some memorable moments or just kind of your experience as a whole? Um, to be honest, I went up uh, for one day. Um, I went up for um, the Ghost Club. We had a Ghost Club, like, meetup in uh, Dumbo, Brooklyn. And so I, like, I, I like was like thrilled to go back to the city and just like hang out. And um, so I did that. And then we went over to Jason Naylor's studio. And um, who's like another, uh, he's like another creator in the Ghost Club. And we visited his studio, which is really dope. And just kind of like hung out and just like got to meet people. They were all in or around or associated with the Ghost Club. And then um, later that evening, I went to a non-fungible, uh, a not-fungible, um, like, dinner. Uh, and that was, like, kind of to be able to put a face with the various names that are in that incubator. Um, and so that was really nice. We got to, I got to meet, like, you know, BitBuzz and Sam Pearson and Killer Napkins, Brian Morris, Brian Romero, um, Suck Lord, um, um, trying to think who else I met. There's a lot of people. I think some of the mm-hmm. dudes from Decentraland like swung by. Oh wow, and, that's actually I, dope. Yeah, I didn't get to like see that. I don't. I'm not like on that tax. Mm-hmm. I'm on that, not in their tax bracket, so I'm not sure they're gonna say hi to me. But <laughs> so it was like it was cool. Like it was very chummy. You know, very very cool. It was nice to like talk to other artists who are doing. Yeah, what I, doing. I I could see like someone one an artist would like take a selfie with a bunch of other people. 
and it felt like they would have to tag like 25 other artists because everybody was hanging out in such big groups yeah yeah that it was a, it's a little intimidating in that way you know and especially as someone like me like i don't uh talk about myself very often mm-hmm. you know so like you know when i do it's kind of like kind of like this it's kind of like disjointed <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a little all over the place which is like thank you for bearing with me but yeah so i don't know it was nice it was it was nice it's always nice to get a, to like be, to hang out with your peers in a relaxed setting because like when your peers are usually you know whether the workplace or professional life or whatever like it's nice to be able to kind of just like you know let your hair down i guess and then just kind of like chill and um it was nice to meet like some good people in person yeah i think it's it's obviously definitely a really cool experience and it's something i'm definitely going to try to uh make next year if possible if i continue my kind of growth but i think it's just something it's just it's not like something i have to do and like if i don't go to nft nyc like i my career is going to be over it's just something i'm kind of looking forward to maybe just like maybe it'd be it happening if that makes sense go but don't buy a ticket (laughs) that that ticket that's what i've heard that you didn't need a ticket no and, and like i'm sorry but like i know i shouldn't be like crapping all over like the name of this but it literally was like a fuster cluck like it's in the middle <laughs> of a pandemic in the middle of like what is yeah are still considering a pandemic like it was um you know if you had a group of people that you're comfortable with cool chill with them hang out with them but um you know like you still have to be careful and uh but at and just like be a decent human being but um but at the end of the day like you're not really there to like make a ton of new information for your brain like you're there to make new connections for your wallet Mm -hmm. so you know and like the plus side of that was like being able to make genuine connections with people that i already knew which was great and i think that's why i enjoyed it so much and and, like again i was only there for a day like i i don't like i said i don't you know do uh large groups of people very well so um well yeah so like i don't know like i I don't think you need to get a ticket i literally think just getting like into some of the satellite events and just like chilling with like people that you're homies with like it's probably you're you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna be like way more fulfilled and and find way more satisfaction in that than just like going to some like you know talk to hear some dude stroke his own ego for like 15 minutes you yeah know. and how amazing his project is and how it's going to revolutionize the world yeah that was the thing that i think i was insulted by the most was hearing how many like discussions were just reiterations and regurgitations of what we've all heard on clubhouse and twitter spaces for the past year and like so pe- some people are like dude i wanted to get away from that i didn't want to see that <laughs> yeah it's like I, I didn't want to just go to a big twitter space with chilling and everything exactly I to do like, something different and be dude. something different but i feel like a lot of people in this space they've been doing that for so long it's like shit how do i have a conversation with someone right they don't know how to turn it off um and then, i mean whatever i i also i kind of get that too because that's how i am about like when i talk about like certain parts of my work like i i just nerd out so i get it but it's not for everyone yeah i completely understand why some people just 
I think I think a lot of people, even even when some people just get nervous when speaking to a big group of people, and like you know what, well this worked when I was speaking to X number of people in the Twitter space. Sure, yeah. Let's just keep the same sure. thing so I don't look uneducated and I don't look like I don't know what I'm doing. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. If anyone kind of in the audience would like to check out maybe some of the NFT art you do or even just your physical art. Where can they kind of find your social medias and where can they all view this stuff? Um, I'm probably the most active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I started a TikTok like a year ago and I've been like just keeping like a lot of my process on there and um, trying to, you know, just keep up with all that stuff is um, literally half of another person's job that I don't want to have. Um so I would say like if you go to my website um it's it's going to be primarily like il- uh, illustration mural fine art based um that's going to be confairstudio.com and if you go to uh, my Instagram or my Twitter it's going to be uh, Kyle underscore confair for Instagram and K confair for Twitter you can like just jump on my link tree and you know, go down the rabbit hole for my known origin, OpenSea. Um, I don't list my stuff on Hickenknuck anymore because that basically just imploded on itself, and I just don't have time to go through and figure that out. Um, but I, I think I, I think I still have stuff on there. I just don't ever talk about it or advertise it. So yeah, but yeah, OpenSea, known uh, origin. Yeah, much. and definitely. Um, I would have to say, from personal experience, looking at Kyle's art, it's actually insane. It's very just unique, very trippy, very vibrant. I love all the <laughs> different colors. I think it's it's almost like holographic in a way as well. So if anyone in the audience is listening today, definitely go check it out. Go de- definitely give him a follow on his social medias as well. Cause go go uh go text him and be like, yo, Web3 Weekly sent me. And like, <laughs> I don't be like, hey, I saw the podcast. Like, oh, yeah, uh, for it's sure. nice getting in touch with you and everything. But just yeah. say, start out with, like you did, uh, hey, I'm not a bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I you, you would have no idea. I, I've started doing that a lot now just to make sure. Because especially um, when I was continuing to build up my following past, like, I, I try, I, I've already reached it. But like, when you, you know when you have your following more people than like you actually have followers yeah. like it was tough finding actually people to come on the podcast because i didn't seem like a real person and i did the same thing to another artist and she didn't get back with me until i uh told her i wasn't a bot by the way and i was like here's all my stuff like i'm i'm a real person and so it's kind of funny but yeah uh if anyone in the audience, I'd say I definitely recommend checking this stuff out. Definitely give him a follow. I think Kyle's definitely someone you want to continue to follow his career throughout whatever he's doing in this kind of art uh, space. Thanks, but um, yeah, no problem. But I do have one more question for you. And if anyone's a fan of the podcast, they would know it's I, I ask this question uh, pretty much I to every guest, and that is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be, and why would you want it? Oh man. Uh, it would be invisibility because um, I just want I am like so good at like I think I think it's called the Irish goodbye where you're just like you just dip out like whenever you want without telling anybody goodbye that's like my favorite thing to do ever 
And um, I think if I was invisible, it would just make that power so much more legit. And um, yeah, would, and then also like you could totally like sit in on some like gnarly conversations that you shouldn't be there for. Yeah, I, I completely understand. It's uh, it's pretty cool <laughs> to see every time someone like I, every time I ask this question, it feels like uh, everyone has a different answer and everyone has a different reasoning for it so it's cool because you can learn a lot about the person by what they uh want as a superpower but i can't explain enough how much i appreciate you coming on the podcast today taking time out of your uh very busy schedule to sit down with me and just allow me and the audience to learn more about you but before we kind of head out here is there any other questions you have for me or anything else you'd like to tell the audience uh no i mean like i think this has been super fun. Um, one thing that I would like to kind of point out is like, if you have seen my work IRL, um, you, you'll probably notice there's a huge difference between my IRL black and white, usually like one or two tone color, uh, work and my stuff in the NFT space or digital realm is usually like the exact opposite. It's usually like heavy, heavy color, very dense. Um, and I think that's one thing I, I just want to say, like, I do appreciate the NFT space for that reason, uh, because it's a, it's a part of the, the part of my, like my wheelhouse that I haven't been able to do, uh, and actually get paid for, you know? And so like in the NFT space, it's kind of great to be able to flex that and, um, and do something that maybe I'm not really comfortable with. I'm getting better at it, but, um, and actually see some like sort of recognition and, and, you know, monetary compensation for that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think it's really important because especially with like, I obviously have like an appetizer on this podcast, but like, it's not anything crazy. Like it's, it's just cool to finally get some sort of monetary feedback for the work you've been putting in or something you're doing uh, that it's like, wow, I'm actually providing value. People are enjoying what I'm doing. It's cool that, you can finally get paid is to do what you love. But yeah, Kyle, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. Uh, also the audience, anyone listening, you're all the whole reason while Kyle and I are having this conversation today. I can't thank you all enough for listening. And if you do want to continue to follow the podcast and support us here, feel free to follow us uh, on our social media. It is at web three weekly pod on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So feel free to uh, give us some likes, give us a follow, even send us a message. Tell us what you think we can improve on. Tell us what you think uh, you liked about the podcast here today. It'd be much, much appreciated. But also feel free to um, share this podcast with some of your friends. Uh, Maybe just let them know, hey, I I I learned about this really cool NFT artist today named Kyle Confair. Why don't you check out the episode as well? And uh, that the word of mouth um, really helps us grow the podcast here. But also, if you want to help us even more, uh, you can feel free to le- leave a like on whatever podcasting platform you are using. But also leave us five stars. I can't uh, explain enough how much that helps us grow, especially being a small podcast. So yeah, that's going to be it for me today. Kyle, would you? I know you kind of. I already asked you this question, but. Before we head out here, any kind of words of advice or anything uh, important you want to tell the audience? Oh, man. No, no, man. Um, You know, just (laughs) be nice to everybody. Don't be a dick. (laughs) 
Honestly, I think a lot of times people need to be reminded that that's not a bad idea. Um, I I know sometimes if I'm not in the best mood, I could use a use a message of not being a dick. Just make sure you're living <laughs> like just just if you if everyone can go throughout life just being like my goal today is not to piss anyone off. You you can uh you can not only have a great day, but life just seems much brighter. So I've been saying this in the past couple episodes to kind of end it. Just because we are in a quote-unquote bear market and some people uh, feel pretty weird about what's going on with the market. But everyone, I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all learned something today and stay bullish, my friends. Have a good one.